Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge podcast. You know, we have so much stuff to talk about, five events, six events to preview. I, yeah, it's definitely the last week of the year where we get six events. It's There's only been like two or three. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be long. Uh, prepare for it. And yeah. Uh, let's let's just start with whatever Challenger 80 you prefer, because well, there, there's been five this year, uh, this this week. Yeah, so let's start with Guayaquil, where we had Daniel Altmaier going back to back to win the title, uh, beating Federico Coria uh, six to six four, six to six three. What was it? Yeah, six to six four. Uh, yeah, six to six four. Uh, his sixth Challenger title beat uh Seboshvild in a wild match 167662 to start then defeated uh, Juan Bautista Torres Jesper de Jong uh my pick for the title Chequinato in the semis up 11 spots number 1 to number 80 in the rankings what did you think of Altmaier yeah 10 wins in a row i remember stating in the summer probably not here because i don't know why we'd be talking about it but i remember stating somewhere in the summer that in july or in june that altmaier wasn't even playing as poorly as his results would suggest but he's simply getting you know tough draws he's playing main tour events and at some point this stopped being true we saw what he was doing at the in the beginning of the south american swing uh, when he lost consecutive matches to Buruchaga, Bertola, and Nagal, I mean Nagal and Buruchaga, they aren't poor losses, maybe, but you know, in a row that 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 sort of sends a, a pretty wild signal. And yeah, now ten wins in a row, definitely better hitting, definitely reassuring when it comes to, well, maybe not his potential. He's you know he, he's twenty four. We already sort of see what sort of player he is, but. Just the fact that, you know, that he hasn't disappeared. He he can still play this. I don't know if he's capable of having a good run in Montevideo now, but uh, but certainly 10 wins in a row was fantastic. And the final, he was clearly better, but that's probably because of the, the thigh injury that Korea had. Uh, movement, his movement was definitely compromised and it, yeah, it, it was just a mismatch, but who knows how it would have ended if... You know, if Korea was fully fit, but then again, Altmaier beat him in the semis in Lima uh, last week. So, yeah, dropped six games uh, each of those matches last week as well. Uh, as for Korea, his tenth career challenger final, uh, he beat Comesaña, Diaz Acosta in the third set tiebreaker, Puccinelli Almeida and Barias also in a third set tiebreaker to make it to this final. He moves up just three spots, to, but the number is sixty-eight in the ranking, so he's very well positioned. Uh, for next season. What did you think of Korea this week? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, we were actually cheating on him that he isn't playing well in challenger events, right? Because he wasn't. That wasn't yeah. something that we came up with. Even coming here to back to South America, he lost to Darderi in the opening round. Uh, but yeah, right now, semi-final, quarter-final, semi-final, final, 
uh, he's back to his almost best, let's say. Uh, I don't think he really should have won that semifinal against Varias, though. He was never really the better player. Varias, uh, you know, he, he has this weird thing when, when he was behind, he was hitting super crisp, very aggressive, but whenever he actually had the chance to win, yeah, he just can't put the ball inside the court. And that's been the case with Varias, I think, even in the two finals that he's played this year. But but all, that's all seems to be the case for him. Yeah, he's yeah. We'll, we'll talk about what seven challenges in the finals, no titles. That's that that tells you right there, I think. Yeah, and Korea was just much stronger mentally there. So uh kudos to him. But yeah, as I said, he couldn't compete at uh, you know, he couldn't give hundred percent effort in the final. So yeah, we can move on to Varias. Uh, on his run, he beat Ribeiro, 6-2-6-1. Then Guillemesa, 6-1-7-6. Kiker, 6-1-6-3. As we said, came very close to beating Korea, but couldn't quite get it over the line. Um, yeah, what, what do you th- sort of think of him this year? As I said, seven Challenger semifinals, but alas, no titles. Yeah, I didn't know it was seven, but but yeah. Um, most of the opponents were were great. I mean, Bagni, Stabilo, Ugo Carabelli... Uh, certainly nothing that you can really be you know angry about or something in the semifinals at least Korea here Reis da Silva of course in Ambato was the was the standout and then the finals we we talked about it a couple of weeks ago that in both of them he was so tight so nervous and I guess it makes sense that for that reason he also looked better in main tour events this year than in challengers because here he feels like he has to win and you know when the pressure is off He's actually able to to play his best tennis like he did in Kstad or Kitzbichel or uh, or the French Open for that matter as well. Mm-hmm. Our other semifinalist was Cecchinato, who um, started in qualifying. Uh, he was absolutely ripping through this draw, taking all his opponents to the bakery. Ogura, 6-1-6-1. Lipovsek Puce, 6-1-6-1. Bicknell, uh, 6-1-6-3. Burchaga, 6-1, then retired after 2-love. Uh, beat Koinski 6163 as well, who's been doing very well uh, on this uh, South American swing. Uh, sixth challenger semifinal just since June. Uh, what did you think of checking out to this week? Yeah, uh, ripped through the qualifying, as you said, but obviously he, he never really should have played that draw. Yeah. Uh, but it's still fine, you know, he, he showed that he doesn't belong there, that's for sure. I actually thought he might be losing to Koinski, you know, Koinski scored that great win against Serundolo, and I thought all the reasons like why Koinski is a tough matchup for Serundo. They also sort of made sense with Cecchinato that, that this heavy but pretty linear ball wouldn't really give him the, the space to use his talents, just like Juan Manuel couldn't. But yeah, he just crushed him. So in, in that sense, I'm quite surprised that the semifinal looked as it, as it did. But it was actually a high-quality match, I think, although with a lot of momentum swings. Uh, Altmaier was like 5-1 up in the first, right? Or, or am I... Maybe I'm, uh, something like that. Didn't, didn't want that. <laughs> um, right, we can move on to the doubles where we had Andreozzi and Duran win their 13th challenger title together in their career, fifth one this season. Uh, they beat Diaz Acosta and Martinez uh, in, in their first tournament together for that pairing. We can move over to Charlottesville where you got a point with Ben Shelton beating Christopher Eubanks 7-6-7-5 in the final. Uh, Shelton's first challenger title after three lost finals this season. On his run, he beat Rodesh, uh, Brandon Holt, Gerg, Jubb in a great match. He moves up 28 spots, number 128. What did you think of 
Shelton's maiden challenger title run. Yeah, I think he was definitely mentally stronger than before. Uh, we talked about these finals against Safiulin and uh, against um, Svaida, where he really, at some point, you know, did, couldn't play up to his potential because he was tight. And here he pulls off that fantastic win against Jab in the in the semifinal, which was super gutsy. Uh, even against Gerg, there were some tough tough moments, uh, and I think he probably played his best match in the final, although only from going down 3-5 in the first. Uh, we knew it was coming. Uh, I also have to point out that it, he only played nine challengers this year and made fi- made the final in four of them, which is like a, a pretty crazy record. Uh, Nick Kyrgios is famously known for like four out of eight uh, titles on the challenger tour. So it's it's not quite the same but it's it's a similar sort of standard you know it's it's uh, it's definitely something that most players don't do and it's something that probably tells you that Ben Shelton might not be on the challenger tour for much longer especially if he can play like in the in the in the second set of the final that that break at 5-5 was just brilliant and and yeah the the pattern of course of a lefty serve against Eubanks uh, one-handed backhand return is always going to be a bit of a nightmare for the older of the Americans. And by the way, they they have uh, they seem to have a fantastic friendship off the court as well, which was nice to see that the whole match was very relaxed. Uh, after the semifinal that Shelton won against Jab, you could see on the, st- the stream that uh, Chris was waiting there for uh, to congratulate him. And it was just like, you know, half a minute after Shelton won it and, you know, that their interaction was visible. Uh, nice to see this sort of... Uh, um, relationship between a couple of players we wouldn't really i guess connect because well chris has been on the on the tour for years and and ben has just decided to call his college career uh off so yeah always great to see stuff like this i'm already it's just november but i'm already thinking about ben shelton in australia next year and i'm very excited at that prospect i think he'll do he'll do great over there uh, let's talk a bit more. He about might Chris. get a wild card, by the way, right? Because this is counting uh, for the wild card playoff, which I think Dennis Sandgren led before this week, but I'm not sure what's happening there right now. Yeah, I've I've not checked that yet, um, but certainly with this title, it, it should put him in a, in a pretty good position. Uh, as for Chris Eubanks, it was his fifth challenger final. On his run this week, he beat Alvarez Varona and Dugas before getting involved in a great match with Yuncheng Shang saving five match points to win the third set tiebreaker 10-8. Then he also had a tough match against Emilio Nava, 6-3 in the third, lost in the final, but moves up 15 spots from 120. What did you think of Eubanks? Can't blame you for dropping one match point there because there were so many of them. He actually six. Saved, saved six, yeah. And yeah, even some crazy backhand returns on them. Obviously, Shang was the better player most of the match. I, I was actually surprised it it got it was this close because it seemed that in indoor conditions, Yubang, Yubang should probably thrive in this matchup. Uh, but Shang had some really stellar defense in that one and Yubanks had to go to the net a lot, where I think he showed plenty of skill, even though... You know any uneven execution, and there were, you know, with with the amounts of times he he went to the net, uh, there, there it happened, and uh, Shang was quick to punish. But yeah, as he said, phenomenal win, uh, six match points saved, and actually all of them, I think he he played them played them very well. There weren't really any that Shang just gave him. Uh, there was also a, a terrible call at eight eight in the tiebreak, but that's you know that that's not his fault. That's that's the umpire. 
Uh, and and yeah, and then then beat Nava, played, played a pretty decent match in the final. I was actually quite surprised that uh, he made like this is his first final of the season, but I guess it makes sense since he actually played a fair bit on the main tour and not you know it it certainly hasn't been a full challenger schedule. He's only played like what uh, four, five, six, seven, eight. This was his twelve, I think. So so it was like a fifty fifty so far. Yeah, yeah, Eubanks certainly hasn't been a regular uh, on the Challenger Tour this season. Uh, let's let's talk about our semi-finalists, uh, starting with Jub. Uh, he he uh, started with a comeback from a set-down against McHugh. Uh, then he beat Michael Moe and Iñaki Montes de la Torre for his first Challenger semi-final since his Santa Cruz title. What did you think of Jub here? Uh, yeah, I actually thought he was really excellent against Shelton. Uh, the, the the third set he he led by a break can't remember the exact score but uh, at some points he was just a wall and playing you know pl- playing his style to perfection of course it didn't well to, to an extent it didn't last uh, he Shelton definitely raised his level as well uh, so so a nice uh, nice one for Jab I didn't something I didn't realize and some commenter on Twitter rem- uh, told me of that is that in Las Vegas last week where he had that disappointing loss to Fikovic he led five zero in the second set and lost it seven five I did not That's see that much but yeah I just uh, got reminded of it by uh, by someone on Twitter but yeah th- this was certainly much much better and probably needed after after such a loss. Yeah, it was much better from Emilio Neva as well, uh, who also started with a with a uh, set down comeback against Ponwith. Uh, then he only allowed Facundo Mena three games and the same to Kudla, who was my pick for the title. His third challenger semi-final after reaching the two Shimken semis earlier this season. What did you think of Nava? Uh, yes, uh, I'm looking at the wildcard challenge where you're talking, so I I might have to I I might have to uh, you know interrupt with a with a couple of things about that in the in a second. But for now, yes, Emilio Nava. Uh, I, f- I who did you pick this week? By the way, was it Denis Kudla? Yeah, good luck. Yeah, I, I thought so. And I remember watching that quarterfinal against Nava thinking that it was going to be close and then he just totally destroyed him. Uh, of course, Nava is a, is a player with a high ceiling, but uh, very low floor at the same time. And yeah, we can just we can just see it constantly on the Challenger Tour. And uh, sometimes he comes out and blows Kudla or Mena off the court. And, and yeah, and I guess Eubanks, he also played fine. Uh, of course, it's for, for him. It's gonna be going forward. It's gonna be about limiting the these sort of losses. Definitely not like not like the one this week, but uh, you know the sort of losses that he's had a lot of in, in plenty of tournaments this this week uh, this year, and that they don't really uh, they don't really you know, they aren't needed for him, of course. And yeah, and he's playing tennis Sandgren in a in a fantastic round one in Knoxville next week. And when it comes to the wildcard challenge, it seems that it's just three weeks, and it started with Las Vegas and it will finish in Knoxville. So mm. yeah. So it seems, but but I think it could also be will be awarded to the American with the most ranking points earned from a maximum of three events during the aforementioned four week window. Ah, no, sorry, there's also the one more week after Knoxville. So uh, there's there's that the there are these four weeks, and your three best events uh, matter. 
Okay. And it seems that all indoor and outdoor hardcore and carpet events at the M25 level and above, including ATP and Challenger events, will be included. Because I think there was some sort of um, misunderstanding last year when Cressy's results on carpet didn't matter uh, when he was playing Ismaning and Kental. Uh, because I think it was only about hardcore events, so it, they fixed it this year. Even though carpet is actually not not on the schedule like uh, at this point in time, but but they fixed it this year. But anyhow, yeah, it's uh, we've already had two weeks. Uh, then there's gonna be two more, and it looks like Shelton has a very good uh, chance to advance after after winning this one. And and yeah, was it uh, it was Sandgren, right? Who who won last week? Yeah, yeah. So I guess that they're the guys with the titles, and yeah, two more weeks to come. All right. I also wanted to mention uh, Iñaki Montes de la Torre, uh, who's the quarterfinal here, college player for Virginia. Uh, he beat Ayeni 6-2, 6-2, before also taking out Kovacevic in straight sets. Uh, any thoughts on Montes de la Torre? Yeah, I, I think I only watched the match against uh, Nava. Uh, sorry, not Nava, but Jab. Uh, wasn't great. I mean, he, he seems a bit lightweight and underpowered, but you know, certainly he must have played much better against Kovacevic and against Ayeni and, you know, the guys he beat, uh, well, the, the two guys he beat this week because he had a wild card for this. Yeah, it was only his third challenger main draw, I believe. Um, and let's end with the doubles where Cash and Patton once again uh, win the title, their seventh challenger title this season, 11th uh, title overall when you count all their futures. Uh, back-to-back titles after winning last week as well, and they're number three in the race. Uh, they beat Alex Lawson and Artem Sitak, for whom it was the second and third challenger finals, respectively, this season. Let's move over to Sydney, where we had Yuxu Su uh, beat Mark Pullman 6476 for his first challenger title. Uh, he did so without dropping a single set, uh, beating Harper, Inui, McCabe, Purcell in the semis, and then Pullman's. Up 89 spots, number 226. What did you think of uh, Su this week? Yeah, most of my Yuxu memories before this week were from that Nur Sultan quarterfinal he made in 2021. And I honestly didn't even realize that he was doing so well on the ITF tour. He won three 25k titles this year and all of them in, on different continents, which might seem just like a fun fact. But actually, I think it's kind of um, it kind of means something because a lot of the time we see these players, I don't know, playing well only in Japanese ITFs, which are worse. And he won in Dallas, he won in Sharm El Sheikh, and he won in um, in Vietnam. Can't remember the name of the name of the city. Certainly not Hanoi or the or uh, or Ho Chi Minh. Um, but uh, yeah, anyhow, he he came here. He lost to Purcell in Playford, and then demolished him in the semis in Sydney. Uh, beating McCabe, Purcell, and Polmans in a row is pretty impressive. Even though most of this event was well, yeah, was pretty terrible. Uh, <laughs> you can also see that there's not much interest in Australia for challengers. Uh, that tournament doesn't really have any like stands. People just sit on the grass, which is pretty fun. Uh, but I've heard from a few Australians, uh, namely there's this guy who I, I think listens sometimes, Todd, uh, you know, uh, cheers to you if you're, if you're listening, who wrote an article about Australian challengers and how he, you know, he's not really happy about how, how they organized and how they're organized and just thinks that, um, well, 
the the events uh should be more treated with more respect than they are um i don't know uh, i think that this whole week uh, i'm i'm really going off topic here but uh, i think this whole week sort of poses a, a certain an interesting question because we all want tennis to be bigger in other regions in the world we all want a challenger tennis to show up on different continents but then we get events like in australia the past two weeks and does it really make sense if pretty much no one outside of australia and asia will come i don't know uh, yeah, but it's, 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 yeah, yeah go ahead and then we'll talk yeah, about it soon. <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, I was just gonna say it, it is tough because um mm-hmm obviously there is no reason for anybody to travel to australia right now there's very few europeans pretty much gangel and i feel like that's almost it uh in these draws um and it's tough i i almost wish that there was some way that they could potentially like demote this like like demote a tournament like this to a 50 once you see that a field is just like a 50 level field uh which is obviously very very like pretty much impossible to do I think, but I feel like that would be a solution to this because this being on the same standing as all the other tournaments that we had this week just doesn't really feel right with the level of competition that there was. Yeah, I think in the main road it was only Gengel. I, I like that idea. I think it's obviously pretty tough to use it in practice, but uh, it, it's, yeah, that there should be something like this or I don't know, because it, yeah, it's just a little unfair, I think. But then again, everyone was able to go there i actually think a lot of europeans screwed up by not going there because i don't know yeah. if a good player came <laughs> of, of course i'm not saying that the players there weren't good but i don't know a guy from the top 150 who is good on hard courts go there it goes there and he probably wins 160 points i mean he would have had a lot of pressure on him that's for sure so i don't know maybe he drops a match but still it, it, it's uh you know you pay money but you instead gain points so someone maybe who doesn't yeah, care I mean, much it's, about it's money a lot, it's a lot more money to pay than than you would that's pay true either. that's true but, but it's still it's i mean like to, to be fair with with the money they, they would earn they would need to have deep runs every week to like just basically pay for the flights and everything. I mean, yeah, there are just two Australian events, but I think you could combine it sort of with the Japanese swing now or go to South Korea earlier, go he, go to Australia then. I, I, you know, just when I see events like in Bergamo, when they have a cutoff of, I don't know, 250, and then I then I and then I see Sydney and I keep thinking that maybe some players actually should have gone to Australia, you know, that maybe they yeah, should have. I, I almost wish that they sort of combined the the Australian swing and the and the Asian swing because like having Sydney and Yokohama in in one week doesn't really make sense to me. If, yeah. if, if you have the same combined group of players go to the different cities, yeah, um, and it's it's basically now going to be a lot of the players from Sydney going to Japan, uh, yeah, which makes makes a lot of sense. And yeah, who was who was. Just you know, it, it, this this is his level more or less. Of course, as I mentioned, beating McCabe, Purcell, and Paulmans is a superb feat in a row. But still, the the, the highest ranked guy that he beat all week was two hundred and forty first, Max Purcell. Uh, Paulmans would of course be ranked at least somewhere around this level if he wasn't injured most of the year. Uh, but yeah, up until six four to zero in the final, I think Sue wasn't even broken. So this was a really dominant display. And uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, we've we've seen some players win a challenger title sort of out of nowhere when the stars aligned, and then 
you know, grab that confidence and go do something completely else against stronger fields. So it, it's certainly going to be interesting to see what what Su does with it. Uh, I think he's got a pretty decent, if unsp- a little unspectacular game, but but we shall see what he yeah what happens in the next few weeks with Su. Yeah, I also wanted to mention about Su. I didn't know this before. Before I looked it up. Uh... This week, he won three uh, junior doubles uh, grand slams with three different partners in the same season. Uh, yeah, he won the 2017 Australian Open with Zhao Lingzi, uh, 2017 Wimbledon with Axel Geller, and 2017 US Open with Yibing Wu. Um, which, yeah, I'm not sure if anybody else had ever done that before, but it seems like a very unlikely feat. Uh, three slam titles, three different... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I read about one of these maybe when when just doing something on Ibing Wu this year, or maybe when Axel Gallet retired. But definitely didn't know that he also won with Zhao Lingxi. And who the hell is Zhao Lingxi? I'm sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, as for Paul Vaz, it was his eighth challenger final, first one since January 2019. Uh, obviously, he's had a lot of injury struggles this year, a lot of just playing struggles the year before, sort of. Uh, on this round, he beat Statham, Shimizu, White House, and Gengel up 104 spots, number 374. What did you think of Paul Mans this week? Yeah, as I said before, if he wasn't injured, then he probably would have been ranked much higher, of course. But not too not too happy about his performance in the final, really. I, I, I sort of expected that he might be... Uh, might be at a different uh, moment already, but yeah. Then again, he retired in his last event in Busan, right? Uh, but yeah, combined with Gwangyu, combined with uh, Busan, comp- and and this run, you can clearly see that he's well going to be a challenger player again. And you know, it's a, it's a matter of time. Although this week, I guess, didn't show us that much because well, up until the final, I think he didn't play anyone in the top one, 350. Uh, so yeah. All right, let's get to our semi-finalists, uh, starting with Max Purcell, who had a tough match to opening against Gunas Varan, 4-6-7-6-7-6, then beat Kyle Seelig, 6-3-6-2, school kid in straight sets as well to reach back-to-back semi-finals. Lost, obviously, to Su, but what did you think of Purcell's week overall? Yeah, I just checked what you, like the, the, the Grand Slam Junior stat, and yeah, so is the only one. Uh, Sebastian LeBlanc and Ben Elwood won a couple, won three uh, juniors, da- junior doubles titles in one year, but with two different partners. And other than that, it was just uh, you know guys who won three titles, but together. Uh, yeah, and Purcell, as, as as we said before, he beat Sue last week, uh, then lost to him here, and was actually pretty easily beaten which was a bit of a surprise but when you look at his draw he he looks like he played a different event right <laughs> or maybe that's still because we because we still think of you know Prajnesh Gunesvaran as a as a challenger player and he hasn't really been one this year at all but still when I look at Purcell's draw I feel like he wasn't playing in Sydney he was playing in I don't know Busan or Seoul uh, and the other semi-finalist was Marek Gengel, uh, handed out two bagels en route to his first challenger semi-final at 27 years old, uh, beating Beal, Maguchi, and Walton. Any thoughts on Gengel here? Yeah, Gengel has sort of randomly peaked on a few occasions this year. And I, yeah, I, I remember we are talking about it in Biel, I think, when he made the quarters or Lugano, one of these Swiss events. And 
we were like wondering where has this been most of his career and yeah i, I still don't know but on you know at times he is able to play some uh some real quality tennis which is uh maybe not maybe not shocking but yeah he's also done pretty well in doubles i think this year some some challenger finals uh, a few times yeah, yeah, and I mean, he is a player who plays a lot of Bundesliga, played some UTRs as well. So to see him have some challenger success at 27, not giving up, it's, it's great to see. Uh, and let's end with the doubles. Ellis and Schoolkate won their first challenger title after winning three ITFs together previously, uh, beating Ajit Rai and Yuta Shimizu in the final. Let's move on to Yokohama, where I got a point with Christopher O'Connell, the top seed, beating Yosuke Watanuki 6-1-6-7-6-3 for his fourth challenger title. Uh, on his run, he beat Ramanathan Kirkin, came back from a set down against Tunglin Wu, beat Shimabukuro in the semis, up 18 spots, number 84. What did you think of O'Connell this week? Yeah, and I'm still checking the records for junior champions this time on the... <laughs> Uh, on the women's side, but yeah, it seems like Su is also not matched by anyone there. Like the, there are a few who uh, made three titles in a year, but again with two partners, like Beth Hare and interestingly Victoria Azarenka, Anastasia Pavlichenkova, Ursula Redvaiska, even Taylor Townsend. Uh, but yeah, no one has done three titles in a year with with three different partners. Uh, anyhow, uh, where were we? <laughs> Uh, Yokohama, of course, O'Connor. Yeah, uh, you you picked the top seed here and it was the right move, although he did have to save a match point uh, against Tublin Wu in the quarterfinals. Unfortunately, unless you watched it, I didn't. No. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, we can't really tell you what it was because the replay is broken. Uh, Yokohama and and Sydney were in general very tough to watch for me, I, I, I have to say, this week. Especially Sydney, probably, although Yokohama as well. Uh, the finals at the same time were actually cool this time because uh, if uh, if you know one of them was at 1 a.m. and the other at 5 a.m., then you know my night would have been much tougher. But uh, it, them being at the same time actually helped. I was I was glad about it for the first time in my life. And yeah, uh, O'Connell just um, another very 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 solid week from him. Um, can't say anything about the Wu match, so not sure what happened there. But this was probably the the toughest opponent he faced all week. I think that's, I think that makes sense. Although you know, some would probably argue that Ramanathan or Vatanuki, uh, he was a massive favorite to win every single match he played this week. Uh, I actually struggled a bit against Vatanuki. I I enjoyed how how Vatanuki started just you know taking the ball super early and just throwing everything he had at O'Connell in the second set couldn't really keep it up but uh but but still you know the, the Australian was always the, the 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 better player but you know by, with some risk Vatanuki was able to to keep it fairly close and of course I was rooting for him because well you had O'Connell as a peak and I I wasn't sure I was going to get Shelton yet so the 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 times were quite desperate there uh, yeah, as for Watanuki, it was his fourth challenger final, first one since February 2020 in Cleveland on uh, this run this week. He beat Nakagawa, uh, then got a retirement from Tatsuma Ito, uh, beat Uchida and Sedarusic up 34 spots, number 193. Uh, yeah, any more thoughts on, on Watanuki and his run? Yeah, I think he like maybe got himself into Australian Open qualifying with this run, uh, which is which is pretty huge. 
uh, he he did play quite well at Seoul as well a month ago, but then re- had to retire after just three games against Munar. So uh, certainly a, a player that has also had a, like a couple of huge results this year and a lot of very unspectacular ones. But when he's good, he's good. I mean, the, the semi-final in Forli in February and especially the quarterfinal in Lyon, the, the ATP 250 event. Uh, as a lucky loser there, but beating Kwon and Martinez, which both were, well, Kwon maybe on clay wasn't a shock, but Pedro Martinez for sure was. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about our semifinalists, starting with Shima Bukura, uh, who beat Mochizuki, uh, although not Shintara Mochizuki, the other Mochizuki, 6-2, uh, 6-4, uh, then beat Jason Jung in straight sets, as well as Damir Jumhur, so a couple of good veteran wins. Uh, his second challenger semifinal this season. What did you think of Shima Bukuro? Yeah, as I said, I mean, I, I didn't get to see much of him this week for sure, but uh, I remember watching him against Mike Shaq in the ATP 500 in Tokyo, and yeah, he was he was really playing quite well. Of course, had a couple uh, had a couple of decent runs in Nontaburi as well, as well. So uh, certainly someone that we can expect at least to to make rounds in these uh, in these Japanese challengers in the South Korean, but. Uh, but well, so far, so far in the slightly weaker ones, but yeah, I mean, still Yokohama is, is still so much stronger than, uh, than Sydney and you don't really have to look far to, to know it because, well, he beat Jumhur, he beat Jason Jung and lost to Chris O'Connell in the, in the semis. Yes. Nino said that Usic also made the semifinals here. Uh, his first challenger semifinal since April, uh, he had lost eight of nine matches coming into this week. Uh, but got some good wins over Mochizuki in, straight, in, in three sets. Uh, Giano 7-5 in the third. Walkover from Milman, uh, who I believe was your pick this tournament, yeah. uh, to reach the semis. Uh, any thoughts on Sidarusic here? Yeah, I'm actually, I was I was quite surprised with how much Nino Sidarusic is actually a clay court specialist. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I watched him on clay only, uh, before. I mean, I probably saw some, some hardcore matches and indoors, but I mean, mostly, but I never thought about it. And somehow it turns out that he's played about 450 clay matches in his career and only, I don't know, 100, even less than 100 on hardcourts that's combined indoors and hard. And yeah, this actually would have been his first uh, final on hard courts in his whole career, like counting challengers, ITFs. And yeah, at some point I I, I sort of thought that maybe he's going to make it. And uh, I think I even thought that he was the best threat uh, to, like the, the, the biggest potential threat to O'Connell. Uh, and yeah, with Serdarusic, it's always, you know, we're always on the lookout for his first title because he's had four challenger finals already. Uh, still titleless, and it's really, oh, it, it's high time he had one of these. I think he deserves it, but well, not this week. And yeah, looking at how how little he's played on hard courts, I guess it's probably gonna come on clay. Yeah, and over in the doubles, we had uh, two uh, sort of challenger veteran guys that we see a lot: Cornea and Gonzalez teaming up for the title. Fourth one of the season for Cornea, third one for Gonzalez. And they beat Fujiwara and, and Imamura in the final, who were playing their first tournament together. Uh, we can go over to Bergamo, where, where Otto Virtanen, uh, the qualifier, won the title over Jan Lenach Struf, 6 2 7 5, his first challenger title. Started with quality wins, even in qualifying, beating Henry Square and Antoine Bellier, 
both in straight sets. Uh, he didn't drop a set all week. Uh, they went to beat uh, Kinard, Zhirinjang, uh, Striker, Borges uh, before beating Struf. Up 70 spots, number 195, breaking the top 200. Uh, it's finally happened for Vietanen. What did you think of him? Yeah, uh, I remember when we when he made that semi in Surbiton, we talked about um, another Twitter friend of mine making pre- making a prediction, Diego Miranda, shout out to him, making a prediction that Otto Virtanen was going to reach the top 100 in two years. And I wouldn't say I laughed it off, but I, I did sort of joke about it. I remember saying on the next show that Lucas Klein is going to reach the top 100 in two years. I think Lucas Klein is actually likely going to do it next year. Uh, didn't really believe in Virtanet, but it's looking fairly possible now. I mean, he he's just broken the top 200. Certainly showed more control and regulation over his game than, than he usually had. Uh, of course, you know, we, we know him as that uh, cannon serve and then goes to the net a lot. But here he actually played a lot of good baseline tennis. Excellent on return against Struff. Seven wins, 14 sets won, uh, four, four zero in tie breaks. Um, not perfect mentally because he definitely had that pattern where he was serving for the set, playing a crap game and then coming back to win it anyway. But still, mentally, I think he, it was a pretty strong display compared to what we usually saw from Virtanen. Uh, as for our finalist this week, it was Jan Lunar Struf in Bergamo, 20th challenger final for the veterans, second one this season. Uh, on this round, he beat a bunch of Italians, starting with Coboli, 6-1-6-2, Nardi in straight sets, came back from a set down against Arnaldi, uh, and then defeated Rodionov too to reach the final. Uh, up 16 spots, number 152. What did you think of Struf, t- uh, Struf this week? Yeah, I, I, I when thinking of Struff's 2022, I keep thinking of that Braunschweig uh, title where he just seemed like he was going to be back in the top 100 in no time. It hasn't happened. He actually had some pretty, pretty surprising losses from that point. Definitely the ones like uh, you know against Quacko at the U.S. Open. We were expecting him to win Justino in Zug, of course. Uh, but then again, I guess indoors he's probably gonna do go, gonna do fine. Looking at how he's performed both on the main tour and here in Bergamo, uh, just not a good day at the office at all in the final. That that was uh, that was a pretty rough performance. As for our semifinalists, we can talk about Nuno Borges, uh, who beat Kovalik, got a retirement from Denis Novak, beat Vavasori. Uh, for his fifth Challenger semifinal in 2022, but the first one since April. What did you think of Borges? Yeah, that's that's definitely nice for him indoors. Uh, not a not no no. These aren't conditions that he's got a lot of experience in, and these aren't conditions that he really had that much success in before. I think it's mostly due to the part the the fact that like. No, he, he likes that time on the ball. He can be rushed by guys like I don't know, Van Rijtoven or Richard that he lost at the beginning of the season. Especially he he couldn't really handle their serves. Uh, but here, yeah, he he went. He definitely went much better than in Brest last week when he when he had that loss to Van Asch and also struggled with Vatutin. Uh, yeah, just couldn't stop Otto Virtanen, but no one could have stopped the the, the big Finn this week. Uh, yeah. Uh, our other semifinals was Yuri Rodionov uh, beating Verdasco, Celik Bilek, and Hanfman 6 4 in the third. Uh, fifth challenger semifinal in 2022 was also a setup on Struf. Uh, what did you think of Rodionov? 
Yeah, I, I believe we talked about him like a couple of weeks ago that it seems like he's not doing much this year, but still keeps himself around yeah. that 130 level. And yeah, I actually started uh, after that conversation, I started thinking and like watching Radionov more closely. And yeah, it just seems to me that this is uh, a bit of a Denis Novak career situation that he's just, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be very hard for him to drop out of these 150, 100, the top 150, 170. Uh, but yeah, at some point he probably just needs to get himself into that back end of the top 100. I think he's just far too, far too good for it. And also the, the balls he, he plays, you know, they're just so, uh, with, with the lefty angles, he really uses that, them well. A pretty, um, tough game to to understand as well i think that that's a virtue when it comes to uh you know playing against players uh, playing playing against guys at this level i think he he can really trick some opponents up and and yeah i totally see him or even though they don't play the same at all of course i think his career path is going to be exactly like Denis novak's <laughs> yeah i'm definitely looking forward to seeing Rodionov uh next week uh, he obviously had his very famous outburst uh, there uh, after he won a match <laughs> back in like what was it, twenty sixteen or something? Oh yeah, it was Ooh. a huge. Thing. I don't uh, know that. No. Yeah, it, it was on the side court as well. I I remember just seeing a video of it. And I think. Oh it was wait, it's on, it's like on YouTube or something. I yeah, and I he, think... he does the Cristiano Ronaldo celebration and tries to rip his shirt. But the shirt won't go, so he's just yelling okay. and holding or trying to rip it open, but it just won't go. It was Yeah, you're funny. right. I, I definitely saw it on YouTube. Yeah. I did not remember <laughs> it, but yeah. Uh yeah, we can go over to the doubles where we had Jan Lunarstruv win the title. So he was on for a double heading into the final against Vitanen. Uh, but he won the title in doubles alongside Henry Squire. Uh, first challenger title for Squares, seventh for Struff, and they beat a pair of very experienced doubles players in Aceric and Olivetti. Uh, first challenger final together uh, for for them. Tenth uh, challenger final for for either of them though this season. They've been on fire uh, with various partners though, so they normally show up that high in the in the challenger race that I put together. But yeah, they've been incredible. Yeah, I will just say and that I found the I found the video. Uh, it's actually round thirty-two of Bratislava two thousand eighteen on an outside court, yeah, against Ulajimir Ignatik. And I love the description for this for this YouTube uh, video. There's his celebration after com- converting match point and saving two match points is one of the most cringeworthy, embarrassing, and best things ever seen in tennis. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very accurate description, I think. Uh, but yeah, match of the week and upset of the week. Would you like me to start? Jesus, I mean, we can start with the upsets because again, we've had some absolute crazies. Uh, and it not only, I mean, I even want to talk about a doubles match. And well, let me start from this. In the qualifying, when Blaze Bickner beat Max Hokes, that was a total shock for me. I thought nothing was probably going to uh, to beat that. Um, I, I think it actually kind of made sense because it, there, it was very windy and like Hokes couldn't play that aggressive forehand that he usually uh, does. Well, he couldn't, but he still tried and yeah, his backhand didn't hold up, which it sort of made sense. But before the match, I would, I never would have called it. There was a wild thing in, uh, the double, in the doubles as well, when Mateo and Andrea Vavasori beat uh, Dustin Brown and Shimon Valkov, which is just insane. But I think it has to go to 
uh, I can't even remember his name. I need to check it. Yuichiro Inui beating Litu in Sydney, uh, which, yeah, the odds are insane on that match. Uh, Inui, I probably saw him like once and was not impressed at all. Yeah, I do not understand how this happened. Uh, Inui went on to lose just, uh, win just three games against uh, Yuxu, uh, which I guess, given how Su played this week, isn't that bad. But still, you know, for him to beat Litu, I don't know if Litu is just having some sort of a hangover after that first title or if he, well, he had some personal things, right, recently with the, with the death of his mother. So, Maybe that's it as well, because, well, he, he's now lost three consecutive matches to Hong, Statham and Inui. So, wow. Yeah, uh, Lito, I, I did I, uh, I, I did think about it, but since he had those losses coming into it, I wasn't that shocked uh, that he's, you know, not, not followed at the soul form, uh, although Inui is probably the worst one of those three losses. Um, oh, I guess, also, yeah. yeah. I don't know. State up is actually comparable. Yeah. At first, I just wanted to say for sure, and then I yeah, it's yeah, wild. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Inui in the odds was was a bit higher than than Stadium, but yeah, uh, I wanted to give an honorable mention to Kachmazov uh, upsetting Kubler in qualifying, which was also a pretty wild one. Yeah, uh, but I went for Mukund over Duckworth. That one really shocked me. I had Duckworth written down as my pick before we recorded, and then all of a sudden it was the morning and he was out. So you know, replaced him. Uh, but yeah, that, that was one that definitely shocked me. Match of the week, who have you gone for? Uh, Duckworth was in Sydney, right? Yeah, or, or in your uh, no, in Sydney. No, I, I just started thinking if maybe you, you know, you replaced your pick and then got O'Connor, yeah, but yeah. yeah, he was in Sydney, <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, match of the week, I'm thinking of a couple of, uh, of, uh, of matches. Uh, one of them is definitely, I think both are, are actually from Charlottesville. And one of them is Shelton over Jab and the other Eubanks over Shang. Uh, the question is, do I want to go for drama or do I want to... Actually, I think maybe the, the the quality of tennis was actually better in um, in Eubanks Shang as well. So I'm going to go there. As we mentioned before, six match points, all saved with great points by Eubanks, either fantastic backhand returns at 5-3 and then a couple of uh, great serves and, uh, and a nice volley in the tiebreak. So... Yeah, that's that's gonna be it. I had a lot of fun watching this one. Yeah, and I'll take the other one uh, in this situation. I will I will take Shelton over Jub. Uh, great match, some incredible uh, like shot making. Go uh, down in that third set. Uh, Jub was up four two in the decider. Shelton fought back. Uh, obviously, I wanted Shelton to lose quite a bit. Uh, since he was your pick, and I wanted to <laughs> draw level or had the or have the opportunity to do so, uh, but yeah, two very great matches that we that we had this week. Yeah, and you mentioned Kachmazov over Kubler. I watched that one, and Kachmazov was actually playing incredible tennis. Like when I when I last watched him, I well maybe maybe it wasn't the last time I watched him, but I remember him live in Helsinki uh, last year when he played Mochizuki, and it was like both guys were so underpowered and there were so many long rallies and it was a mess it was fun but it was a total mess and then he comes here uh of course a year a year after but they still didn't think that he added so much pop to his game and he was playing with so much confidence uh well of course it's a shame he's in the russian army or like it belongs to a club that that uh is connected to the russian army but 
you know, just taking that away for the moment. I had a lot of fun watching Kachmazov beating Kublet as well. And I'm I'm curious to see if that's actually gonna last and if that's how he how he's going to go about his game from that point on this point with this point onwards. All right, and we can go to our predictions. We have six events uh to go through. So let's start with the biggest one in Iran, which had a lot of withdrawals. It was meant to have an absolutely banger of a, of a draw, but a, a lot of people withdrew. So we were left with Radu Albod as the top seed facing Kuzmanov. In his section, we also have Artur Fields with a wild card, Alexei Popirin uh, in his section as well. In the second section, Jason Kubler, this time not in qualifying in the main draw in the, as the fourth seed, plays Luka Van Ash. Uh, in that section, we also have Vedasco coming up against Empechi Pericat. Uh, winner plays Bellier Olaxonen. So that's a pretty interesting small section there. Third section, we have a great first round match. Otto Vitanen uh, coming off the title plays Hugo Grenier, who could be one of the favorites here if he wasn't facing Vitanen. Uh, we also have Kotov playing Richard. Leandro Riedi is here playing Pablo Andujar, who I was a bit surprised to see in the draw, but he is, he's here. Um, Ugo Gaston is the second seed in the final section, uh, could play the Ginnard in the second round. We also have Basilashvili uh, surrounded by qualifiers in this draw. In the qualifying, uh, we have some names like Lyal, obviously, who, who did well in Vilnius when you were there. Uh, also have Kachmazov playing the Scheper, Kazo is here, Lazarov, uh, Antoine Huang uh, beat Marco Topo in the first round, so he could do something. Over in the doubles, Dumbia and Red Bull are the top seeds. We also have Arendt playing with Eserik. Uh, Brown and Valkov play together once again. So do Danaded and Olivetti. And they actually play Lukas Kubot and Matthew Ebden, uh, which is pretty interesting. I, I was hoping Kubot would be in Red yeah. on the list. He was on the but, list. Yeah. I I didn't know he got into Ran instead. Uh, that, that's that's a shame. Like out of the out of the draw and well, out of the sign, initial signings in Bratislava, that was definitely the um, the double pairing that I also wanted to see Kubot and Kureshi. Uh, that would have been super fun. Yeah. 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 It's it's a shame. Uh, but going back to the to the main draw, who do you like here for the title in Rwanda? Yeah, I, I think there are a couple of guys who could threaten to do something from the qualifying, but you know, Kazao, this is his first tournament back. Uh, I think Oang has been doing pretty well on the Futures Tour recently, like really picked up his results there. So he's probably getting back to the challenger level, but I also, you know, want to see more before I before I start calling him to win titles or something. Layal <laughs> playing Lazarov, that's a brilliant, uh, brilliant final round, by the way. But yeah, the, the main draw is really strong, even though, as you said, it, it, it used to be so much stronger. Like when you were comparing Ruan and Bratislava, Ruan seemed like, uh, I don't know, three times as, as good. And right now it's actually very debatable which one of these tournaments is more interesting. Um, Radu Albot is probably not one of my, one of my favorites to win this. I'm actually not sure what to go for because a lot of the, a lot of the seeds and a lot of the contenders have a tough first round matchup somewhere in there. Like, uh, for example, Kotov Richard, like who's even the favorite there? I have no clue. Granier Virtanen, the same. Kubler Vanage is, is fairly tough as well. Of course, Mpechi Pericard has been doing very well in South America, but I don't think he's going to do, uh, as well here because of the, well, the, the faster surfaces haven't sweetened him so far, uh, even if he has the massive serve. Uh, so I'm basically looking at, at just two names. One of them is very normal and I only like have to, 
uh, think of what he's been doing recently, but I think he lost in Paris qualifying and that's Hugo Gaston. I think it makes sense for me to pick him here. He lost to, yeah, he lost to Wessler in Paris qualifying, but before that, obviously that the, he had these three challenger semifinals. He still hasn't won a challenger, but at some point it has to happen. And yeah, the, the other option I have in my mind is just going for an Arthur Fields hero call. It's gotta happen at some point, but I don't think it's here yet. I think it's too, too strong a draw. And by the way, Basilashvili is playing his first challenger since Tunis 2018. Oh wow, yeah, I I knew it was the first one in a while. I just hadn't I hadn't checked the stat, uh, but yeah, I'm joining you on the Ugo, on the on the Ugo Gaston pick. Uh, I like his draw through to the semis. Uh, he's been very consistent in reaching the semis, yet to break through. Losses to Team Barer, Pospisil are not bad losses. Even on the main tour, he lost to Corda and Wessler, who's in form. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not really that worried about Ugo Gaston. Uh, I think he'll reach the semis again. Will he make it through there? I hope so, but we'll we'll see. Uh, I should also mention that we're going into this with you in the lead once again, twenty-one to twenty. We we both added one point uh, this past week, and on we go to Bratislava, the event we're both attending, uh, starting tomorrow and Tuesday, uh, where the top seed is Zhizhen Zhang playing a qualifier. Uh, he could play Zizou Bergs in the second round, which would be a great match. Also, Team Van Rijthoven against Shevchenko in that section, another great match. Uh, Wildcard Privara is also there, uh, going to face a qualifier. Second section, we have Gombosch playing a qualifier, and then uh, could face Pirosh, who reached the final uh, last last year. Uh, Rodinov plays Rossol, Struf plays Marojan. Third section, we have a lot of names here. We have Mahach, uh, he plays Peniston, and then Celik or a qualifier. Kovalik plays Kopshiva. We also have Lukas Klein in this section facing qualifiers. So lots of interesting players in here. Um, and then the fourth section, Matan Fuchovic plays Lukas Pokorny. Pokorny, I believe, facing second seeds in Bratislava back-to-back years after playing Griegspor last, last year in the first round. Uh, winner plays Hanfman or Jakub Menshik. Uh, I assume there has to be some sort of check exchange with the wildcards. I think that's where you saw, like, a person like Maglanik in a in a qualifying wildcard in the middle of the summer in the Czech Well, Republic. I'm I'm still waiting for uh, the Polish wildcard with Lanik. Like, wh- where is that? <laughs> <laughs> Why was Tomas Lanik yeah, in the in the, in the qualifying for Kozerki? Maybe in the ITFs or something. Well, <laughs> they'll give you one. Uh, Yella Sells plays Matterer and Koboli plays Brody. In the qualifying, uh, we we could have Medvedevich. Medvedevich Horansky is a very interesting final qualifying round. A uh, little bit sad that I'll have to miss it. Uh, Durasovic beat Milos Karol. He he could be dangerous in there. Marchenko, obviously, this is his home tournament release since he lives in Bratislava, or at least he used to. I, I assume he still lives in Bratislava. Travalia uh, is here as well in qualifying. Travalia lost a set to Michal Krajci, by the way. Do you know anything about the guy? Yeah. Actually, don't know who that is. I, I think he might be. He's he's probably too young for me to have paid attention mm-hmm. in the past. <laughs> Michal Krejci, seventeen. Uh, one one fifty in in the junior rankings, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I'll I'll have to look into Michal Krejci because taking a set of Travalia, yeah, that's that's quite good. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. quite good. Yeah. Definitely. In the doubles, Erler and Midler are the top seeds. We have Miloš Karol and Pokorny uh, together with the wild cards. 
uh, interesting matchup here with Molchan of Nidovyesov playing the Sabanov brothers. Uh, also looking to uh, watch Kopshiva play with Paul Spiechel because I'm just really interested in watching that dynamic in, in yeah. real life. I think fascinating. Uh, Nadia Privara also with a wild card. And Igor Zelnaya plays with the Frankosh Kugor uh, chasing those uh, records. And they actually face second seeds Nikola Chacic and Johnny O'Mara. So that will be a very big first round there. But going back to the singles, who do you think will win this title? Yeah, it's it's a cool doubles draw, which I didn't really spot at first, but Kopriva especially, I also want to see it. As as Jakub sort of hinted at before, uh, we'll actually both be live in Bratislava, me just from Tuesday to Friday, and Jakub is going to be there for like almost the whole week uh, from Monday to, to Sunday. Uh, yeah, and 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 that's uh, that coach uh, protege dynam- dynamic was also. I remember talking about it on the post Vilnius episode with Garcia Lopez and um, Gaubas. I wonder if it's gonna be the same with with Pospisil just constantly explaining something to Kopshiva. Maybe not, right? Because you know he he's much older. He's I'm older, but I'm still curious to see what that looks like. Uh... Yeah, I I think there there will be more like you know friends, more 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 even uh, when it comes to like the hierarchy but we'll see uh anyhow who do i want to pick here uh, from the qualifying i'm not sure if anyone is capable of winning such a strong event but of course we've had ilka uh do uh make a fight make the final in vilnius if he can beat sachko he can be dangerous in the main draw durasovic as you said travalia although i'm not sure what to think about that set against krajcik uh, krajci and yeah medjedovic horanski is definitely the one match that i regret uh not watching like not being able to watch yet uh, tomorrow because I'll only be in Bratislava uh, tomorrow night. Uh, so yeah, Medvedevich Horansky seems like a, like a cracker, especially after Horansky demolished Moleker like that. And yeah, when it comes to the singles, very tough to pick anything here. Um, we sort of underestimated, well, not underestimated because we are right, but we sort of just diminished Tim Van Reitoven a couple of weeks, uh, for a couple of weeks now, I think. And yeah, it, it still makes sense. But then again, can he win this event? I, I think he sort of can, although it's a, it's a tough, uh, first round draw against Shevchenko. Of course, Gombosh is always an option. Uh, and I think I might be going for it. Klein has always done super well in Bratislava. Mahach certainly can do it for, as well. Although the, the last few weeks have been tough for him. Uh, Klein, uh, yeah, he, th- even when he was like ranked, I don't know, 500, 600, this was the one event he would peak in. I wonder if this was, st- if this is still the case now that he's actually able to enter challengers on his own ranking. Uh, not get wild cards. I'm still not sold on Fuchovic doing that well, especially as you know playing Hanfman in the second round potentially. That's rough. I mean, Pokorde played a very good match against Griegsport last year. Maybe he can do something to him. I don't know. I think I'm just gonna go with Gombos then. Um, I'm not that confident in that pick, but still, you know, it's in Slovakia. He usually does well, so so let's see how he how he goes here. But there's a lot of potential winners here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to change it. I also had Gombos uh, written down, so I'll just keep him. I'm not going to go <laughs> last and change. Yeah, this is this is my strategy. Just uh, you know, think wh- who are you going to pick? <laughs> predict it, and then up until the end of the year, I'm just going to have the same picks in every single event, and I'll win. Yeah, or, I mean, yeah, I, I I do need to pick different ones if I want to catch if I want to catch yeah. up to, but. It's a tough one to pick out of, uh, especially that that Mahach and Klein section. I feel like if one of them wasn't there, 
I'd probably pick the other one to to go through to the final at least because the fourth quarter looks a little bit suspect to me. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, Gombos, it's been a lot of injuries, a lot of illnesses that have sort of dragged with him through the season. He's apparently looking good, feeling good going into this one. So that's what I'm that's that, that's what I'm going to be betting on here, uh, Gombos. All right, let's go over to Calgary because that's the next one I have on my list. Uh, where the top seat is Emilio Gomez facing Harold Mayo, uh, could then play Jaziri. Uh, Dominic Kepfer plays Nick Chappelle and then could face Mark Hans Rechberg. Uh, Fikovic is the third seat here playing Dugas, uh, could play Diallo in the second round. Also on the section we have Escoffier and the Camps. Uh, Galerno plays a qualifier in the third section. Vukic faces Locke. Mansuri is in here as well. Uh, in the fourth section, we have Vashik Pospisil playing Evan Zhu. Uh, could face one of Hertz or Vashero. Uh, Brandon Holt is a seventh seed here as well. In the qualifying, um, oh yeah, they're, they're actually playing as we speak. Noikris won his first round match. Bervalarakis, Draxel. Um, Kashnikovsky just beat Simon Kerr. Uh, so, he, so he's going to be so car. I don't know why I said it like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking about whether to correct you, but then I thought, yeah, why not? I mean, maybe it's red like that. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so Kashikovsky could also qualify here. Uh, Alfredo Perez is also in the draw, so is, so is Ayani. So it could be some interesting names in the doubles. Uh, Galway and Hachvet Lugo are the top seeds. Hertz and Mansouri uh, play Delphi's Broom and Franzen, who've, who've done well. Uh, the season together before Noikrist and Pervolarakis team up. So did the the Locks, Benjamin and Courtney. Uh, Evan King and Max Schirmer will also be a strong team as the second seeds. Going back to the singles, though, who do you like here for the title? Yeah, I, I generally have to say that I love the idea for Max to come to Canada for these two events. This is uh, this is pretty huge, and well, of course, the draws are slightly uh, slightly weaker than in. Um, than in Europe, so that's that's a, I, I think that's a really nice call, and we'll see if it makes sense. I mean, the tickets are probably like when it comes to dollars to the states or to Canada, it would be like I don't know seven hundred, maybe maybe a bit more. So you know, if he uh, if he is able to make the first round here, the second round of the main draw, then what? Then then it would be covered. So yeah, maybe financially it's not great, but. Uh, maybe he actually does it. We'll see. This is a pretty solid win, I think, over Simon Carr and yeah, Venels tomorrow. That's that's winnable, although indoors probably isn't uh, isn't Max's best surface choice. Uh, and there's a couple of qualifier spots in the main draw, like Jaziri or Broom, where he'd have a fantastic chance to win. Uh, but yeah, looking at the peaks, uh, it's worth mentioning also that this is uh, this week and the next one, we have two events in the, in North America, one in the States and one in Canada. But it looks like the events will still actually be uh, very interesting to watch, uh, looking at what, what, what we see here. Uh, of course, one of the candidates has to be Emilio Gomez. I'm a little sad that Arud Mayo, who also made the call to go, to come here, uh, got him in the opening round because that's, yeah, that's pretty rough. Reberg after Ismaning, I'm, I'm not sure what to think, but he, he's usually excellent indoors. Uh, Fikovic as a, as a third seed of a hardcore event is pretty wild though, but yeah, that's his ranking. I think Galarno has a very decent chance of winning. Vukic hasn't been too good in these, uh, in these Australian events. 
Uh, he's definitely still not in great form. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking a lot, but I think I have to go with Vasek Pospisil. Like, whoa, how, how else? Who else do you want to pick here? And I think you probably also had Pospisil written down because, well, we, we've been picking him a lot in the in the past few weeks. Uh, maybe it hasn't quite worked out as we would want it to, but you know he's making deep runs most of the time. Besides that, lost to Pennington Jones. And yeah, I I um, I feel pretty confident that he can do it again with this draw. Yeah, I don't have Pospisil written down here, so I'm very no. glad that you did him, uh, so I can have a free shot at Emilio Gomez. I mean, he's been incredible okay. all season. Uh, he's he's he, this is a situation where he can do well for himself once again. I think the draw isn't ideal with with my auto start. Uh, and then you know Kepfer or or Rechberg, but um, yeah, I I see him as a bit more of a favorite than Pospisil with how I feel like Pospisil has more of the inconsistencies throughout the season. But boom, we'll see. And by the way, we all we often talked about uh, Emilio Gomez's smart scheduling, and I only have to point out that in a couple of weeks we will have a Challenger 100 in Chile, which. Actually, I thought maybe some hardcore players would attend because it's right after Drummondville and Champagne. So it would make sense, I guess, for some at least to go to Chile, to Temuco. And yet, I think the only real hardcore player there is Emilio Gomez. <laughs> so once again, <laughs> uh, well, Nick Hart, I guess. Uh, Nick Hart and Emilio Gomez currently in the main draw. Decamps is the second alternate. I, I think he, he also qualifies. So yeah, again, we see that Emilio Gomez is really choosing the right tournaments. Yeah, uh, we can go over to Knoxville, Tennessee, where Michael Moe is the top seed uh, facing a qualifier. Interesting section, though. He could face Ulysses Bunch in the second round. And then in, in the quarters is one of Nava, Sandgren, or Zachary Svaida. Uh, Sandgren and Nava facing off in the first round, as you mentioned earlier. Big, big match there. Uh, Eubanks is in here as well, playing Alvarez Varona, and then potentially Gage Brimer. Uh, Yuncheng Shang plays Gerch and then Jab or Escobedo. Jab would be a very interesting match for Shang. Uh, Kovacevic plays Ethan Quinn. Uh, in this section, there's also Ben Shelton. Um, Keegan Smith, Mitchell Kruger. It should be Kovacevic Shelton in the quarter, which would be very entertaining. Uh, Kozlov plays Martin Dam. Uh, Kozlov is the second seed here. Also has Enzo Kwako in his section. Going over to the qualifying, I think there's some finished matches, maybe. Yeah, Holmgren is out uh, to Arribaj. Cannon Kingsley won his first match. Strong Kirkheimer won his first match. Um, who else is in there? Iñaki Montes yeah. de la Torre again. Oh, yeah. Donald Young as well. Uh, Seku Bangura <laughs> could face Iñaki Montes de la Torre. So, yeah, in, 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 interesting. Uh, qualifying section in the doubles, Cash and Patton once again. They face uh, Libietis and Margaroli. Libietis, I had no idea that he had come back from retirement because he had been gone for like what four or five years or something. Um, yeah, played his played a couple of matches in 2020. Um, but yeah, the last time he was regularly on tour was in 2017. And he's 20 and three in doubles uh, this season on, on the ITF tour primarily. Uh, so yeah, very, very curious to see what Libietis does here alongside Margaroli. Ben Shelton is playing doubles as well with Duarte Valle. Um, we also have Lawson and Sita, last week's finalists. Tennis Sandgren is playing with Hunter Reese. Uh, 
um, Balaji and Nunchejen are here as well. But back to singles, who do you like here for the title? Yeah, funnily enough, I didn't even know Michaelis Lipietis. Like as I as I mentioned here a few times before 2019, maybe 18, I wasn't really following the lower tours that much, and I had no idea who the guy was. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I can't remember where I bumped into his name like yesterday or or two days ago, and then I yeah I I just had no idea who this guy is. I I I saw the name and I was like, is he Latvian? Is he is he Lithuanian? Who he is? And yeah, and it, it I I realized that he was actually a pretty decent player a few years ago. But as you said, he he's just come back from well played in 2020, but I think that was yeah that was a Baltic tennis league, so like an exhibition that we. That you have in the records here. So yeah. So basically came out of retirement after five years. Uh yeah, that that's all I all I all I have to say about him. Uh and in Knoxville, who do I want to go for here? I don't know. I mean th- there's guys like Eubanks or Shelton. The question arises. Do I want to go for them? I think Eubanks uh, his section is just too tough. He beat Alvarez Varona last week. But then he can play Jab or Shank in the quarterfinals, which is going to be rough for sure. Shelton going back to back. I don't know if I buy it, even though he actually has a pretty decent start. And then it sort of leaves me without a pick here other than, well, maybe Michael Moe. But then again, he can play Sandgren, Nava or Svaida in the quarter, in the quarterfinals. So it's really rough here. I think a lot of these Americans could be sort of... Uh, more determined to keep playing because of the wildcard challenge as well that you know guys like Shelton or Eubanks won't skip this week um Dam playing Kozlov is a fun matchup but I don't want to pick any any of these guys and honestly I'm stumped because Kovacevic is playing Queen I was thinking of Kovacevic as well and both sections in the top half are just actually really rough I'm gonna go with yeah, the, the, I, I feel stupid doing this, but I'm going to go with Michael Moe. I mean, it's the top seed. It's sort of against my own rules. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 allowed to do that. I mean, it's fine. You, yeah, that, I, I deserve this, but I, I have to. I mean, I have to. I, I just really don't know at all what to do here. It, it probably makes more sense than my pick, which we'll get to in a second. I just want to mention Libyatis. He was a college player playing for University of Tennessee, was number one singles and doubles alongside Hunter Reese. Uh, I remember him as a long time Latvian number two behind Gulbis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, his, his success didn't quite transfer on the Challenger Tour, never won a title or reached the final, got a couple of doubles titles. But yeah, it's just, so so I think that's why he's returning here in in Tennessee because I think that's this local university maybe. Anyway, for my pick, uh, I'm not going for Michael Mo. I'm going for somebody who is out of form, but we've seen him shown the quality uh, earlier this season. I'm going to go with Kovacevic. I really like his draw. Uh, it, Shelton on, on on a back-to-back week, Kozlo and Kwako. That that four section I think is quite weak. So I feel like if he gets past Shelton, he should make it to the final. But as I said, the recent weeks, it's been quite disappointing. So, uh, yeah, going go, hoping for a bit of a rebound here for, for Kovacevic. Yeah, but it kind of makes sense to take advantage of that fourth quarter. That 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 you're definitely right about. Because other, other than Kovacov, there's, yeah, there's not much there. And we can go over to Matsuyama where we have Christopher Kono as our top seed. He will face a qualifier and then Yuji Sukita or Nam Huang Lee. Benoit Pair is here, which is wild. He plays Dane Sweeney. 
could then face Yuxiuxu um, in the second round. Kaichi Uchida plays Yasutuka Uchiyama, uh, then Kolaj or Shimabukuro. Noguchi plays Tunglin Wu, uh, could then face uh, Kusuhara or uh, Moria in the second round. Uh, Milman is here after giving a walkover last week um, in the third section. We also have Jumhur, Mochizuki, Giano, and Yonel. Uh, Hijikata is the second seed playing Sedarusic, who did quite well last week. Uh, Lee Tu, he's hoping to break his three-match losing streak. He plays Ramanathan and then Watanuki, so kind of a tough draw. In the qualifying, we had Jukaev actually go out in the first round to Sekiguchi. Uh, so he'll get an opportunity to qualify. Sasi Kumar is here as well. Shimitsu, Jason Jung, uh, Seong Chong Hong. In the doubles, uh, Kada and Ramanathan are the top seeds. Uh, we also have JP Smith with Andrew Harris. Jumhur and Sedderosic are playing together. So are Gonzalez and Runkat. And they actually face Hijikata and Su. Toshi Dematsu here once again with Kaito Wesugi. Uh, Vlad, Victor Vlad Kornea plays with name Collage. Uh, Nam and Song here as well. But, but back to the main draw, who do you like here for the title? Yeah, I love that mention to Toshihide Matsui. Any, anytime we see him, but yeah, he deserves it. Uh, he definitely does. Uh, yeah, another draw that feels very tough. Uh, do you want to go for O'Connell uh, going back to back? I don't know. Benoit Pair, it's it is not a serious pick, especially if he plays Sweeney and honestly he can lose it. Uchida plays Uchiyama, that's a fantastic first round. Uh, Wunoguchi, another one, I think. Um, Jumhur, I mean, he played okay, I guess, last week, but lost to Shimapukuro. Do you really want to go Jumhur? I think I might have to. Because Hijikata Serdarusic, as especially after Hijikata lost that match to whoever it was that he lost to when I picked him uh, this week. <laughs> I can't remember, but he also had like a very disappointing loss, didn't he? And uh, yeah, if we were recording this on Monday morning, we would already know the result of Tura Manhattan. And if we knew it, maybe I would have gone Litu, despite the recent lack of results. But yeah, I, I'm going to pick David Jumhur, but it, it, I'm not really? happy about it. I'm really I'm really not happy about it. Honestly, if it wasn't for last week, I'd probably go Milman again. But yeah, Milman gave a walkover before the quarterfinals, so there, there's clearly something wrong with him. Yeah, that's, that's uh, kind of two icky picks in a row. I don't know, <laughs> two guys I wouldn't really trust. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, as, as you said, it's tough. O'Connell calls my name, but I'm not going to call him back, not in back-to-back weeks. However, somebody I'm going to go with um, is Tunglin Wu. Uh, it is not the easiest draw, but I feel like he was one of, one of the better players that we had in Yokohama last week. Uh, Noguchi, uh, I think, was to the also like Gengel, who is better than Gengel. Um, and I feel like if he gets on a run, he could easily make it out of this section and then maybe take advantage of whoever comes out of the first section if O'Connell isn't going to be it. So yeah, Tunglin Wu for me. And we close out in Montevideo, where we have Federico Coria as the top seed playing Gastel Elias in the first round. Marco Cecchinato also in the section plays Marco Tronheiti. Uh, Facundo Bagnis plays a qualifier in the second section. There's also Coyarini playing Agamemnone and Francisco Comesania also in that section. Hugo Carabey plays Kiker in the third section and then could face Rodriguez Tavena or Pochinelli de Almeida. Altmaier, two weeks in a row, uh, plays Torres and then Nagal or Meligeni Alves. Fourth 
section, we have Echeverry playing Milojevic. <laughs> I just noticed that Leo Borg is here with a wild card playing Mariano Navone. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Juan Manuel Serundo plays Guido Pea, uh, who's here with a, with a wild card. I've completely, yeah, I've not noticed that he's been gone, I guess. <laughs> yeah, over a year now. He retired in Moscow 2021 against Pedro Martinez, which feels like ages ago, especially because, well, now we wouldn't have any events in Moscow. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's insane. He, he's unranked entirely, uh, as you said, more than, you know, yeah. 13 months basically now. Uh, so yeah, best of luck to him against Juan Manuel Serundo. I completely missed that he's not been playing Guidopea. I, it's, I feel I feel weird about this. Uh, in the qualifying, um, we have a couple of players who already won, like Max Hokes. Uh, uh, we also have Ma- uh, Jan Hoinski, Federico Ceballos as well, uh, João Dominguez. But yeah, ultimately doesn't really feel like anybody who's going to be impacting the the draw in a big way. Well, maybe Koinski, maybe Van Weyla. We'll see. Um, in the doubles, we have Andreozzi and Duran, the, the unstoppable pairing, ripping through South America uh, this season. Dominguez yeah. plays with Gastar Eliash. Galdos plays with Trukhety. Drzewiecki and Matuszewski teaming up once again. Uh, Koinski and Hokes actually play together. Uh, Miligini Alves plays with Pochinelli de Almeida, Guido Pea also in doubles with Ugo Carabey on a protected ranking. Uh, so good to see that as well. Back to the singles, though, who do you like here? Yeah, Hoinski Hokas is a nice team of the guys who shouldn't be playing qualifying, but well, that's yeah. the reality of the rankings so far, at least for now. Yeah, Guido Pea actually hasn't played, played the challenger since this exact event in 2018 which he won and oh, wow. he is a two-time champion uh 2015 as well uh by the way pablo cuevas isn't here which is which is kind of surprising i guess but well he's he hasn't been playing since ludenscheid in july and i think by now he's just probably going to wait six months to get a pr even if he's healthy i have no idea if he's healthy or maybe he's not even coming back i don't know uh we'll see <laughs> Uh, but but anyhow, yeah, uh, Pea is probably not gonna do well since he plays Serundolo in the opening round. Again, Serundolo Echeverry, it feels like we've seen it already. Uh, it definitely feels like we've seen uh, Colarini Agamemnone already because they've played like a couple of times in the past uh, in the past weeks. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with Facundo Bagnis. Uh, he won what was it, Ambato, uh, the one over raised uh, raised da Silva in the final. Uh, this is, of course, not on altitude. And as we said back then, Facundo Magnus has only won two challenges, well, only two challenges this year, but only one challenges on, on altitude this year, at altitude, right? It was at altitude, I think. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not get back to that dilemma because that was, that was quite, uh, painful. Uh, yeah. And this one is on, uh, at sea level. Uh, yeah, it makes sense that at sea level and then at altitude, that makes sense. Yeah, anyhow, let, let's stop that. Facundo Bagnis is my pick. <sighs> Jesus, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Bagnis because he has a good section. Uh, if it's not Koinski or Hokes there, then I think no one can really touch him. Hokes, I'm not even sure about after after what he showed last week. And yeah, if he gets some winnable qualifiers, then I think it's also the weakest quarter probably. Although fair, the third one is, is not strong too. 
I, I'm, well, I'm discounting Altmaier because I'm assuming that he's not going to go three weeks in a row and I'm assuming that he will lose fairly early, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's going to exceed my expectations again. But Bagnis is my pick, yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's, a, it's a good pick, good draw. I'm going to go with Echeverri here. I really like the first two runs for him quite a bit. Uh, then he could have said Ondola, which is a tough one. But I feel like in this draw, he will most likely have a tough match in the quarter in, in the quarterfinals. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's it, it, a very I quite like here for the title in Montevideo. Yeah, I, I was closer to picking Serundolo than Echeverry, to be honest with you. But of course, both are very both are very viable options uh, if one chooses to yeah to, to <laughs> if one chooses to pick out of them. Yeah, and anyhow, I guess this is going to be it. Uh, we're going to see you in a week. Um, yeah, definitely there's going to be a lot of Bratislava talk, unless we actually talk about everything <laughs> in person and then we'll have nothing left for the show, uh, which is, well, we're, we're going to try not to do that. Uh, and yeah, we're going to be back to discuss the six events that we have next week, which are in Matsuyama, Montevideo, Bratislava, Rouen, and um, Calgary and Knoxville. Bye. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. 